Welcome to Leveraging the Laboratory, a Mayo Clinic Laboratories podcast for administrators, outreach managers, and laboratory professionals to learn how best to leverage and optimize the laboratory for patients, clients, and staff. I'm your host, Jane Hermanson, Outreach Manager at Mayo Clinic Laboratories. And joining me today is Kate Pierce. Kate is a Quality Management Coordinator in Specimen Operations and Pathology Assessioning within Mayo Collaborative Services, which includes Mayo Clinic Laboratories. Kate works with our staff to ensure pre-analytic quality for the specimens that we receive from our reference laboratory customers. So our discussion topic today is quality specifically maintaining quality within an outreach program. So Kate, as our guest today, why don't you tell me a little bit about you and the work you do within Mayo Clinic Laboratories? Sure, thank you, Jane, for having me. So like you said, I'm the Quality Management Coordinator for Logistics Assessment Services with a focus on specimen operations. I do have a counterpart in the global logistics world, Emily Fisher, but for me, it is more about the quality of samples once we receive them here. So how they're packaged, how we assession them, how we get them to the laboratories so that that testing can happen. So a result can go out to the patient that is behind that sample. That's no small task, especially given the scope of what we do. So what do you see when you look at the work that you do every day as the largest challenge related to managing quality when you are receiving specimens from literally hundreds of different locations every day? Yeah, so we receive roughly 40,000 specimens on any given day. I think the uniqueness of every single client that we're receiving for. So we have a variety of ways that clients can send in their work, whether they use Mayo Access or Mayo Link and interface those orders to us, or they choose to use their own packing list or their own label training lab assistants to look for those identifiers, the information so that we can get the right test for the right patient at the right time is really important in the operation. So you talked about the electronic ways that clients order. Do we also get some things that are coming to us on paper? Yes, you're correct. So we we love electronic orders in that 40,000 specimens a day. You know, it requires us to have about 50 to 60 specimens processed per hour. But when manual batch sheets are sent, then we have to manually enter those orders. We have to have a second check on those orders and it will take us roughly 10 specimens an hour if we have manual work. So it does slow us down quite a bit. So 10 specimens an hour for manual work. So that's six minutes per, which is still pretty good. How fast does it take to handle electronic orders? So electronic orders are about a minute a specimen, depending on the accessioner. So they can do anywhere from 50 to 60. We have some accessioners that can do way more than that. And then we have probably new trainees that will do less than that. But overall, it evens out across the floor. Wow. And does some of that depend based on how the customers are packing and providing the information? I just remember seeing one day somebody put like 100 tubes in a bag and there was a packing list with it. And somebody had to sit and reconcile every tube with every item on that list. Is there anything that you prefer that makes it easier for your staff to do their work? Yeah, we generally say no more than 10 specimens in a bag, but if you're using a Mayo link or a Mayo access batch sheet, obviously I will tell you exactly how many specimens should be in that bag. So the 
number of specimens that is on the batch sheet should correspond to the number of specimens in that bag. So it helps awesome. with that reconciliation process. Awesome. And if it doesn't reconcile, then you've got your hands full. You've got more work to do, right? Absolutely. So when you look at the measures that you can, uh, so many different ways that you can actually look at quality for your staff, what kind of quality measures do you monitor for your processing staff? Yeah, great question. So daily productivity is obviously a key one because we want to accession and process those samples in a timely manner to get to the lab testing laboratories. We also monitor pending lists. So we're looking for orders that clients have placed in the system, but we haven't received them here. So we wanna be able to try to find those and track those down before they lose stability, whether it's a lost shipment or a delay or client forgot to send and that's great, that's okay. You know, maybe they're holding them, but we wanna make sure we know where those specimens are at. We also look at lost and missing or mislabeled specimens, just, making sure that we can recover those and get the appropriate testing that is needed. So you talked about lost specimens. Are there any things that you've done actually in the internal operations area to reduce lost specimens? And I just, I remember one of our clients was complaining about how they kept losing specimens. And we looked at where their specimens were being dropped off and there was a, there was a very large garbage can right next to the drop-off area. Can you tell me a little about your process and how you manage making sure that we don't lose specimens? Yeah, so we have what we call sweeps across the floor. So we have lab assistants that will get up and ha they have Swiffers and they will Swiffer around the area just in case a specimen inadvertently fell out of a bag or fell off the top of a styro. Um, bags get brittle, especially with frozen specimens. And so we wanna try to, to look for those. We also have what we call our final quality inspection where we're x-raying and looking for specimens. And then we also have cameras around what we consider high pinch point areas of potential areas of lost specimens. And those have been really helpful, especially with our pathology work for irretrievable samples and international work as well. Excellent, thank you. Okay, so you talked about the different quality measures, mislabels, just kind of the speed and the accuracy of their work. How does measuring that kind of quality tie into employee training and competency? Yeah, so for employee training, they have multiple days with our, we have an education training team and they will go through all of the modules to get them up and to going as a lab assistant. And then once they finish or graduate from training and go out onto the floor, obviously they're not going to hit 50 to 60 specimens per hour. So we want to make sure that they can ramp up to that, but in that process of ramping up, we're not losing quality. And so for the first couple of months, we will monitor what we call quality education events for those newly trained individuals to make sure, did we miss something in training? Is there a gap? Is there something we need to focus on? Is it across all the trainees? Or maybe just that one individual missed something in that process so that we can educate them quicker and sooner to uh, correct that behavior so it doesn't impact the samples that we're handling. I really like that because you're not making it about only the employee, you're really making it about their training and onboarding process as well. Registration is now open for our 34th Outreach Conference. 
Leveraging the Laboratory, Dimensions of Outreach, will be held in Chicago, Illinois, September 26th and 27th, 2023. For more information, please visit our mayocliniclabs.com website. Click on Education and then Conferences. I hope to see you there. When you think about the errors, if you had to name your favorites, of course, we know we have favorite errors, but what is the most common error that you encounter? Yeah, so there's two that we would say are the, probably the most common for us, and that is a missed share or a temperature alter. So a missed share would be the client wanted two tests on it, but they had two different orders. And so we needed to share that one specimen that we received across the two orders. And sometimes it's noted on the paperwork, like the client will write share or they'll write it on the tube. And we just forget to receive it to share the specimen between the two. So pending lists come into play because we want to try to capture that specimen while it's still good to be able to share it with that other test that needs to be performed. The other is what we call temperature alter. And so that could be it was a delay in shipment. And so now the samples that were shipped frozen or refrigerate or something happened on the floor that we need to address and temperatures are no longer at the correct temperature that they were originally received in. So we try to monitor those two items pretty closely um, because it can impact the patient care. Absolutely. And I think when I just listen to our customers talk about some of their concerns, I hear shared specimens as being a large concern for them. And I think there are some computer systems that you can only have one test per accession number. And that kind of drives the problem, right? Yeah. And I think in the old land, you could, you could actually put multiple tests on a single order and it was very easy. But I think our computers have, got, have outsmarted us today, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes the client only has that little specimen amount left, but they still want to try to get two tests out of it. Right, right. So you talked about some of those things that we are receiving information, but we don't have a lot of influence over that. So when you look at those inbound errors that we don't have influence over, how are some of the ways that you're working with customers to reduce those errors? Yeah, Jane, great question. So we have a great uh, field staff team. So we have lab tech resource coordinators, we have RSRs, we have GLS specialists, and all of those we work with as we identify issues, hopefully proactively, to say, hey, X, Y, and Z needs to correct how they're folding a bat sheet, or they're over twisting the caps too tight and specimens are leaking. So we We'll work with those field staff teams to bring those issues up and then help to resolve the issue so that we can do testing and we don't have QNS samples or whatever the case may be or the event that we've identified. So the regional service representatives, the tech resource coordinators, you said your logistics staff, when a customer says, oh no, that's not how it happens. We always do it right. Do you use photographic evidence to bring back? Tell me about that. Yeah, we absolutely do. So those cameras have been incredibly helpful and pictures say a thousand words, you know. So if we can show them that they have leaking specimens or they're taping things on where they shouldn't be or the labels don't show up or they're not scannable, we share those with the lab tech resource coordinators and the field staff team so that they can help educate the client on what we're seeing on, on this side once it's received. 
And I think that nobody wants to be a bad customer, right? They always want to be the good customer, but sometimes they don't know that they're doing something wrong. Absolutely. That one change that they make that they think is doing us a favor or helpful, sometimes they just don't understand that downstream impact. And so it's helpful to see it from this side as well as, you know, why. And sometimes we can meet in the middle as to to make both sides work for us. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I I remember one of our customers said to me, I don't want to be your worst customer. I want to be your best customer. How can we get better? So you and your team can actually equip then your field staff partners to do that. And I think that that's pretty standard in a lot of outreach programs where the folks who are receiving the specimens not connected directly to the customer providing the specimen, but you can certainly work through your field support staff to do that. It doesn't need to be at the 40,000 tests a day scale. It can be at a, a, a local scale as well. All right. Well, Kate, knowing that you have a lab background and now you've, you've made a big transition over into operational quality, what's the biggest lesson that you've actually learned about operational quality? You're never done. There is always another project or another quality improvement or room for improvement. And uh, we're always striving to increase quality, increase trackability, increase whatever it is that we can save as many specimens or send as many specimens to testing laboratory for those tests to be performed. If you had to pick your favorite next topic that you're going to be working on and with quality, what's your next big project that you're working on? Our next big project, we're doing a lot with lost or missing specimens or inadvertent discards. So we're trying to really reduce that number in the operation. And so we kind of have a, a process improvement going right now to help drive that number down. Excellent. So it starts with understanding what the problem is, getting the baseline, and then taking your measures across time. So I can't wait to hear how that comes out. And maybe we can have you back, Kate, and talk about that. So my last question, it's kind of a rapid fire question. If you had a big old magic wand and you could improve quality along just one area or maybe two, what would that be? Sure. I have two. One is temperature. So in the LTC, labs will validate a test for what they have as their preferred temperature. So it could be refrigerated or frozen. And then sometimes they will validate for ambient, although they don't love it, it's in there. And dealing with delays, the tests that only have one or maybe two temperatures, it really results in cancellation. So you know, if the labs could validate at all three temperatures, I think it would be amazing, helpful in saving specimens. And then my second is increased trackability. I would love it if we could track specimens from when that courier picks them up and all the way till when we deliver it to the laboratory, whether it's RFID technology or some new up and comer on the market, just increased visibility to the specimens it would be always helpful not only for us, but for our customers as well. So they could actually see what was happening and they could communicate. And I I look at it when I'm ordering pizza, I can look at the progress of my order on the app. And I know when it went into the oven, I know the name of the person who put it in the oven. Wouldn't it be great to know specimen was collected by Jane. Kate has, has it in hand at the internal ops and it's going to be tested by Lucy in the laboratory. So wouldn't that be wonderful to be able to provide that because service is provided by us. It's, it's people and it's not easy. Absolutely. Well, Kate, any last words before we let you go today related to lab quality and operations? 
There's always a lot going on. <laughs> there sure is. Well, thank you for what you do for us. And you've given us really a lot to think about related to designing quality programs for an outreach program. And I hope that our audience today also gained some new ideas to implement in their own outreach labs, because great quality allows you to provide great service to your customers and to the patients. So Kate, thank you so much again for joining us. Sounds good. Thank you, Jane. And if you're interested in learning more about designing outreach operations and other best practices in lab outreach, please, from our audience perspective, come to our Leveraging the Laboratory Conference. Again, it's in Chicago, September 26th and 27th, 2023. We would really love to see you there. Thank you for listening to Leveraging the Laboratory, a podcast from Mayo Clinic Laboratories. If you've enjoyed Leveraging the Laboratory podcast, please subscribe. And until next time, we encourage you to continue to promote your community-based hospital laboratory. The needs of the patient come first. Mm -hmm.